Hello, sports fans. This is Jeremy Taché, and this is Miami Miked Up, presented by Cold Blue Vodka. If you haven't tried Cold Blue yet, head over to your nearest Total Wine or select Sam's Club's locations to pick up an ice sculpture bottle. It's the perfect refreshing drink to enjoy on its own or in your favorite cocktails, mojitos, Bloody Marys, martinis, Moscow mules, and more. Cold Blue Vodka is gluten-free, crafted from American-sourced corn, and distilled eight times. Easy to sip on, enjoyable, and the best part, no hangover the next day. I repeat, no hangover the next day. Our friends over at Cold Blue Vodka gave us a promo code for our listeners. Head over to coldbluevodka.com and use the code BALLY20 for 20% off. That's one word, B-A-L-L-Y-2-0, for 20% off your online order. Cold Blue Vodka, redefining the blue-collar lifestyle. Now, let's get to the show. And it is my honor to bring in the inaugural play-by-play announcer who has been with the Miami Heat since day one in 1988. That is the one and only Eric Reed here on Bally Sports Sun. Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on this episode of Miami Miked Up. Jeremy, we enjoy your show, and it's a pleasure to be, be one of your guests. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. And, and the first question for you, what is something outside of the workplace recently that has brought you joy? My children and my wife and just, you know, watching my two oldest kids grow up into a, a, a beautiful, young, successful recording artist and my daughter, Felicia Ross. So proud of the career uh, that she's enjoying and the person that she is. Same for my son, Andrew, who's an artist living in New York City. And our, our baby is now almost 16 years old, Darielle, my, my youngest daughter. She's in her sophomore year in high school. And um, it's a joy to watch them grow up and uh, spend time with my, with my wife, Sonid. Um, you know, family means everything. And I think, you know, as you grow older uh, in your business and in your life, you realize how blessed you are, A, to have a career like I have, but even more importantly, uh, to have a family, to share that life and career with. And uh, it's just so meaningful. The balancing act of life is never easy, right. but so, so, so worthwhile. Um, uh, it's a wonderful thing to be passionate about your family and about your profession. Absolutely. That's something that, gosh, being in this profession is something that I can only hope to have what you, what you have someday in terms of being able to have that pride in family and in your profession. And, you know, working for the Heat, we know that's sort of a family organization. So being proud of your family, it, it makes so much sense. And you've been here since day one. I have to ask, can we find your daughter's music on Spotify, Apple Music, elsewhere? You want to give a little I plug am, real quick? Yeah, I'm so glad you, you asked me to do that. Felicia, P-H-Y-L-L-I-S-I-A. So it's mm-hmm. Phyllis with an I-A. Last name Ross, Felicia okay. Ross. You just put her name in YouTube and you're going to see dozens and dozens of videos. You know, my wife is Haitian. My family is mixed. My daughter's uh, career path right now, uh, she is singing most of her music in English and French or oh, English wow. and Creole. So Felicia tours in every to every country uh, that speaks French, from the Caribbean to Africa, uh, to France, to Montreal, uh, all over the States. So that's her niche right now. You know, I, I hope one day she's going to be a mainstream artist in the yeah. U.S. But right now, it's a wonderful niche. She's she's proud of her mom's Haitian and her Haitian heritage and background. 
Um, it's a wonderful thing to connect with people that, that speak French and Creole. And she's a great artist, um, you know, a dynamic businesswoman and, and a wonderful daughter. She's a great kid. She's a great oh. person. Well, your pride well, is, is Ross. check her out. Yes, I, think I, like. I know I will. I definitely will. And I hope that everybody else in heat nation does as well. This is so cool. I had no idea that she was touring and doing everything like that. That must just be the coolest experience. And for you being someone who has lived so much of, you know, life on the road, right. Essentially touring with the team, at least she's able to probably, you know, come back to you and ask questions. I imagine about how to live sort of life on the road, right? She has learned her own lessons on that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's cool, like you know, to to be known in in, the, in those circles as Fel- oh, you're Felicia Ross's dad. That's so cool. And, and I'm as trust me, I'm really really proud and and happy about that. Um, but yeah, we we have a lot in common, and it's weird because you know, one, that's how we sort. My wife and I plan our summer vacations now. Felicia tours to some beautiful and exotic places. So that's I, I say, Felicia, where are you going this summer? So last summer it was a week in Saint Martin. And the whole family piled in and we rented an Airbnb house right on the beach. Living the life. It's cool. It's a cool life to live. I, you know, I, I, I'm not that familiar with the music business. I have Mm -hmm. grown more familiar with it following her career over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. She's been doing this since she's a little kid. Um, My son, Andrew, my wife and I, we just don't understand the art world very much (laughs) at all. Sure. But we know, we know Andrew's very talented. I think someday he's going to be a professor at a, an art professor at a great university somewhere and, and doing his art as well. And I, I feel great for both of them because they are passionate about their careers. They were directed early in their lives. And now I'm hoping our youngest, Darielle, you know, finds something that she can sort of sink her heart and her teeth into, uh, because that's a blessing. When you, when you find something that you could pursue in your, as your career mm. and you like it or hopefully love it, that gives you a chance to A, be good to great at it, and B, uh, live a happy life, earning your living, doing something you enjoy. Well, I imagine that comes from the direct experience that you've had doing what you've done for the last 30 plus years here with the Heat, being a part of something that you genuinely enjoy and covering basketball. And, and gosh, that's what we're all searching for. Anybody in this business, I imagine, is is doing it because we genuinely love it. And that's why we got into it. And so let's actually get into some Heat basketball real quick. We'll, we'll, we'll start diving in here. Obviously, the Heat have been at nearly the top of the conference throughout this season. They got off to a real hot start. Uh, Jimmy's been playing at nearly an MVP level. We've seen Bam continue to ascend. All the role players playing well. With just over 20% of the season done now, Eric, have the Heat met, surpassed, or not quite met your expectations that you had for them going into this season, and why? Listen, I, I, I am having, like Heat Nation is, a blast watching this team from night to night. There is something so uplifting uh, following a team that expects to win every single game they play. And that's why you're disappointed when they don't. Uh, it's a ter- it's a terrific team. It was well put together by Pat Riley and Andy Ellisberg and the basketball staff in Miami. Uh, you know, you can go back to the 96, 97 Road Warriors with Zoe mm. and PJ and Mash and Marley and Tim Hardaway. They fit the bill to the culture, right? Wow. I think this team probably is as close to or maybe exceeding the kind of players that really fit this culture. When you add a PJ Tucker, a Kyle Lowry, a Markeith Morris when he regains his health to a group that already had Bam and Jimmy 
I mean, these are warriors. These are winners. These are defensive-minded guys uh, that have all come together and I think gelled very quickly. Now, we're talking about a good start, and I think we're three losses away from it being a great start. Right. Because Miami's 6-1 and one at home. Um, they have been incredible at home. Their numbers are ridiculous. Almost 120 points a game. Butler's at, at almost 30 a game. It's crazy. On the road, they're 5-5. Five and five. And the last three road losses have all come by three points mm. in LA to the Lakers in overtime, the following night against the Clippers, and then Saturday night in Washington. And here's the recurring theme. Even in the two wins against Utah, Miami is good enough to build double digit late game leads. They have been vulnerable. Uh, Utah almost won both of those games with, with late fourth yeah, quarter runs. The Wizards just came back from from 10 down in the final five minutes. So they got to get that figured out. They have to stay healthy. Uh, If they do, this team has a chance to contend and compete for an NBA championship. I really believe that. Uh, You know, the addition of Kyle Lowry, um, you know, every NFL team, same thing for the NBA. They all need and want what? quarterback quarterback okay a you know that as a jets fan positions huh? to be oh, please. <laughs> but, but in kyle lowry in my opinion i've been saying this you know there's there's a few players in this league that you admire from afar uh, when you see them compete against miami and two of those guys that i have really enjoyed watching over the years that toronto backcourt of kyle lowry and demar Derozan, and it's really interesting to me to see lowry now with miami turning the heat into a much better team and DeMar DeRozan's a top five scorer in the NBA right now. He's we're going to see him Saturday night. He and Zach Levine of the bulls have re-energized that team. They're both top five scorers and, you know, people sort of jumped off DeMar's bandwagon because he doesn't shoot threes. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that I don't care if it's by two, or by three, this guy's getting you 20 to 30 a game every night. doesn't matter how, how you get it, mm-hmm. just that you get it. But in, in adding Lowry to the Heat, you've turned Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler into what they do best, downhill, basket attackers, off transition. Uh, that's why you're seeing Bam and Jimmy have, both have their best offensive seasons. Uh, they're still excellent secondary ball handlers. Mm. But guess what? Last year they were primary ball handlers. Now we've got a guy that that is the primary handler in Kyle Lowry. So I, I think that and many other things, you know, the P.J. Tucker edition, you know, he's a great example, Jeremy, of a guy, you know, there, there's all kinds of stats from from the traditional to the current day analytics. None of them do P.J. Tucker justice. <laughs> right, right. This guy is such a winner. I mean, we, we try to bring attention to it and Heat Nation's catching on already. The amount of great screens he sets, the offensive rebounds that gets the Heat to regenerate their offense. Uh, you know, I said this to P.J. when I interviewed him recently for an upcoming Inside the Heat show. I was looking at him just like I'm looking at you right now. And I said, PJ, I've been with the Heat for 34 years. I said, one thing I know about Heat Nation, they love Warriors and they love winners. And you're both. And I really believe that about PJ Tucker. He really is that type of player, and and it's so clear with what he and Kyle Lowry is, as you talk about. And even Markeith Morris, who we haven't seen on the floor for the last number of games, but what those guys have brought to this team. And I spoke to Bam Adebayo before the season, as obviously you did as well, and his whole thing was, we got the junkyard dog mentality back. Like, that was the whole thing, and, and having these guys come in and add that to the franchise, where 
This team was that in some ways in the 2019-2020 bubble run, but really needed that rejuvenated energy, clearly, of, of shaking up the roster. And like you mentioned, it just put guys in position to succeed by adding people who could help them play their roles to the best of their ability. And so now, let's talk about tonight's game with Minnesota. Uh, when you're talking about the second night of back-to-backs and you're playing a team with three guys who can fill it up in Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, they've won four games in a row. What concerns you for the Heat with this matchup on the second night of back-to-backs? Well, you know, no matter what night it was, on the road, at Minnesota, you know what I think happens? You know, you're playing a team that's been in the playoffs once in the last 17 years. Mm. Um, you got to overcome that emotional thing of uh, this, this is going to be an easier game. It's not. They're, they're, they, they, they're on a four-game winning streak. They lead the league in forced turnovers. They lead the league in points off turnovers. Carl Anthony Towns could get you 30 and 15. Easy. Uh, Anthony Edwards having a great second year. And I've always liked D'Angelo Russell dating back to his days as a Brooklyn net. They have enough talent to beat you. They, they, uh, Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt underrated starters you know how competitive Beverly is Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt seems like he's a heat type of guy a lot of intangibles so again you know you the heat's professionalism will be put back on display beat a team you're supposed to beat um doesn't mean it's going to be easy you just have to find a way to do it you know Jimmy's going to be motivated uh, to, to play well there but you know our guys Jimmy and Kyle I mean these guys are motivated wherever they play. There's right. a little extra probably when you go back and play in a place where you once played. And guess what? We're on the Jimmy Butler victory. Yeah. Tour going to Minnesota and then the Chicago, you know, like the game in Chicago on Saturday, is going to feel like it's going to be feel like a Super Bowl. It's, it's two of the best teams in the East. It's going to be, you know, a preview of maybe bigger games later on in the season, but to see Lowry with Miami and DeRozan with the Bulls, Vucevic is back with the Bulls, cleared his COVID protocols. And he's a um, heat killer. <laughs> but, hey, we, we know we got two games in front of that and uh, hoping the, the Heat can put two more wins in the bank before we get to Chicago. Yeah, and you've got Chicago coming up on Saturday. That should be a great matchup. And after that is actually the Denver Nuggets. And, you know, while that comes up, I might as well bring this up with you here, Eric. Obviously, Markeith Morris has now been sidelined. After this Detroit game, we'll, we'll have been eight games with what the Heat are describing as whiplash after uh, the incident with uh, Nikola Jokic, which for those who don't remember, Markeith Morris fouled Nikola Jokic at half court on what looked to be either an attempted pass or an attempted shot somewhere in between as he lifted his arms. And then Nikola Jokic blindsided Markeith from behind after that. Markeith went down like a ton of bricks. And and from there, we've, we've sort of seen how this has played out. Jokic was only suspended... One game, and Morris is now missing his eighth. Eric, what what are your thoughts on how Jokic handled the situation specifically? The punishment doled out, and and do you anticipate any sort of bad blood between these two teams when they play on Monday? Well, let me get to the first part first. I, I don't think you base a suspension on how long, you know, one of the players might miss due to doing an injury. There, you, you're not you're not going to know that at that time, so you can't base. Correct suspension on that i've heard i've heard many opinions on it uh, a lot of people were critical of markeith's foul first of all the whole thing was so unfortunate it was an yeah. awful game it was a 17 point spread heat trailing at that time three and a half minutes left mm-hmm. 
Um, Jokic had just gotten away. It was a very physical game. They have let games get more physical this year. Jokic had just gotten away with a foul on Bam that wasn't called. And I didn't think what Morris did, I didn't think it was right, but I didn't think it was that egregious that mm -hmm. it deserved what Jokic did. I've heard some people criticize Morris, believe it or not, for turning his back. Like if you, if you hit somebody like that, don't turn your, like you don't hit a guy from behind like Ever. that. Uh, so what Morris did, okay, it may have been bad. What Jokic did was far worse. I'm not in position of being judge and jury and, and, and know what merits, what kind of suspension. I think Jokic should have got more than one game. Sure. Um, I think LeBron James should have got more than one and maybe Isaiah Stewart more than two. Um, you know, I've read a lot about Isaiah Stewart over the last few days and, you know, everything I've read about him is what a hardworking, you know, sort of grinded out guy he is, um, a blue collar player and his emotions went haywire. Mm -hmm. And now people are going to keep that tag on him for the rest of his career. And I, I feel for him in that regard. Yeah. I also thought what Kate Cunningham did, the top pick in, in, in the last draft, if basketball doesn't work out, he could be a good, strong safety. <laughs> yeah. he, this guy was looking like uh, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, he was holding him back. And Kate Cunningham was, was you know, like the goal line defense. Yeah. In terms of the Miami-Denver game, you know, uh, at the end of the month, I just hope it's a great game. You know the Heat are going to remember that. I don't think they're going to take it over the line, but uh, I am sure the league is going to have three of its better officials assigned to that game. There will be ample security at that game, <laughs> but come on, man. The Heat's just trying. He's just trying to win every night and exactly. bank as many of these victories. See, everybody notices it at the end of the year when you're in that stretch run for for playoff position. They all matter. They yep. all matter from from beginning of the season end. Yep. Detroit, Minnesota, Chicago, Denver. Doesn't matter which game. You got to collect your wins. So we'll move on from specifically this team. We'll we'll just spend a few more minutes here with you, Eric, if you don't mind. Uh, I want to go back to sort of. Not necessarily the beginning here, but some of your love of play-by-play. -play. Obviously, you've been with the Heat since its inception in 1988. And, and to me, in some ways, what it is that you do is like the modern version of the early century novelists. Like, you've been telling the story of this franchise for 30 years. And you're also someone who's always so meticulously prepared. I, I just saw you glancing at your notes before. We've seen your notes on social media that you post. It's clear when we listen to these games... And, and through this conversation, the, the passion that you have for the sport and for the team. So what is it about this job that has kept you that way when it's not 1988, it's 2021, and we're still having this conversation about the same job, and your energy is like it's your first day, like you're a kid in a candy store? I am. I really am. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, I've grown older in that candy store, but... Uh... You know, so I, I, I got to tell you, thank you for your kind words. I, of course. This is going to sound like I'm, you know, saying it to say it, and I'm not. I, I, I live this way. I, I am more grateful, more humble, and more joyful in my job right now than I have ever been. Because the longer you get in this journey, the more appreciative you are of the journey. And, you know, I started this, this thing a long, long time ago. I, I was, I guess, weird as a kid. I was just infatuated with radio play-by-play. -play. I grew up in New York listening to, you know, Merle Harmon call Jets games on radio and, and Marv Albert call the Knicks. Amazing. As an 11-year-old kid, my dad bought season tickets to the Jets the year they drafted Joe Namath, right? 
Holy and God. now I'm 11 and a half years old, sitting at Chase Stadium with my dad when the Jets beat the Raiders in one of the greatest football games I've ever seen, the AFL championship game in December of 68. And when the Jets won the game, my, my pop looked down at me and said something about going to the Super Bowl. I said, bring me back a program, Dad. He goes, you're coming with me. Oh. Super Bowl was in Miami. Super Bowl three at the Orange Bowl. Okay. I was at that game. That's one of the most so historic cool. football games in the history of the sport. Uh, it really, that was the game that forced the two leagues to merge, the AFL and the NFL. Later that same year, I'm sitting with my dad at Madison Square Garden at game seven of the 1970 NBA Finals against the Lakers when the New York Knicks won their first championship. Those two things sort of underline a youth with a dad that loves sports. Um, we, I enjoyed, like some of my best times in life have been in football stadium parking lots, tailgating, <laughs> yeah. I was working or not. I've just always been around sports. Um, you know, as a basketball player, my career didn't get very far. So I, I sort of knew early how can I stay involved? And, and the radio angle became the thing for me. And you know how I actually got involved? This is a great story. I, I, was at Ithaca, I was at Ithaca College. And it's my sophomore year at Ithaca College in the same town as Cornell University. Uh, they were playing Penn in an Ivy League basketball game. And a buddy of mine with a car, uh, I talked him into driving me to the game because my former high school coach was now the head coach at the University of Pennsylvania. So I wanted to visit with him and hit that team was a year removed, believe it or not, from the 1977 Final Four. Last Ivy League team to ever go to a Final Four. Wow, okay. So I go to the game, Cornell against Penn. I don't remember anything about the game. But what I'll never forget is looking across the court at Barton Hall in Ithaca and seeing the Cornell radio booth. And there were two broadcasters there. One I didn't know. The other was a senior at Ithaca College. And I'm a sophomore at the time. The minute the game ended, I darted down the bleachers, ran across the court, up the other set of bleachers, and I, I whistled them over. I said, Dave, what are you doing? He said, I do color for the home games, and I get academic credit. There was a, a class at Ithaca College called Radio Workshop. If you could get an internship, you get a credit or two. So I said, how'd you get the internship? He said, the play-by-play -play guy is the news director. He, I got it from him. I said, could you introduce me to him? So like on the spot, That's it. I, I, I meet the guy. I say, I, I love this internship next year. So the next week I'm in his office. He says, if you stay up over the summer and do a news internship, I'll give you the Cornell basketball internship next year. Amazing. So I stay up in Ithaca that summer. And now it's my junior year at Ithaca College and I'm gonna do color on the 15 Cornell basketball home games. I am home, this is a good story to tell. I'm Thanksgiving time. I am home on my Thanksgiving break. Okay. On Long Island with my, at my parents' house. The telephone rings. I pick it up and it's the general manager of WHCU in Ithaca saying, Eric, uh, Al Beller, who's the play-by-play -play guy, his wife is about to have a baby. Uh, could you drive up to Syracuse and do the season opener by yourself, Cornell at Syracuse? Get I said, I'll be here. I hang up the phone, right? I get in my car and now I embark on a five-hour trip right. up into central New York. I took a buddy with me, picked him up in New York City. We got caught in a blizzard, Jeremy, that I'm seeing like one car after another slide off the highway. And I'm about an hour out of Syracuse and my car hits a patch of ice and I do a 360 into a snowbank. And I'm like, how am I going to get to a good Samaritan help pull us out? And I showed up. This is even before the this carrier. Is like a movie. This is at Manly Fieldhouse. I show up maybe 10 minutes before tip off time. I sit down and I do the Cornell Syracuse game. 
I got to do one other game like that, that year, Cornell at Niagara, I did by myself. The rest of the season, I did color at home. Wow. Well, wow. by the time I'm a senior at Ithaca College, now the radio station that was owned by Cornell University, the general manager was a great man. I learned so much from a man named Don Martin. He said, listen, next year, we don't want the news director to travel anymore for basketball. We want you to do the, basketball, the road games on your own and you do color at home. And so here I am a student at Ithaca College. I'm doing Ithaca High School football for one radio station yep. on Friday nights. I'm doing Cornell basketball. So as a college student, I'm working at another college and also ingraining myself into that community doing high school football. And when I graduated from Ithaca College, the GM of the radio station who had done Cornell football for like 30 years in a row calls me into his office and says, Eric, I'm retiring. I am going to name you the play-by-play -play guy for Cornell football, Cornell basketball, and Cornell lacrosse. And for a whopping $10,000 a year in 1979, <laughs> I signed on the dotted line. And man, I want to tell you, I had a blast being the play-by-play -play voice of Cornell football, basketball, and lacrosse. And of all the things that happened to me there, there was one game. I, we had a professor at Cornell who loved college basketball, right? And he was blind. So he would come to the Cornell home games with a little earpiece plugged into his transistor radio. And that's how he would follow the games. So I got to know him. His name was Professor Daniel Sisler. I'm doing the game Cornell at Columbia. And Professor Sisler was in New York to give a lecture. And his handler brings him courtside. I was doing the game by myself and said, Professor Sisler doesn't have his radio. He can't hear your call. Can he sit down at the table with you? And listen to the game. And of course, I had an extra oh, pair of headsets. Special. I said, absolutely. So could you imagine, I am sitting there with a guy that is a diehard fan who cannot see. And he's got headsets listening to me. I'm like going to cry. If, this any, is if, if <laughs> any one night explained to me what that job, doing radio play-by-play, -play, is all about, it was that. Describing the game for people who can't see it. And I, idol, I grew up idolizing Joe Tate, the now-retired former voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers, because that man was an artist. Every word he used added to the description of the game he was calling. Think about what I just, every single word he, he would go up and down the court. I, I learned a lot of court, I, I call it court geography. If you're doing football, it's field. You have to have names for yeah. the different areas of the floor um, to help you describe the, so Joe was a master at it. At the beginning of my career, that's all I wanted to be was the most descriptive, best radio play-by-play -play guy. And from Cornell, I, I, my next job was in New England. I, I started doing games for Brown University football and Providence College basketball. It was wonderful to get into the Big East Conference. Um, when I did, I, I saw six incredible years of Big East basketball, including Providence going to the 1987 Final Four. So I had... 11 terrific years in college basketball. Now this is 34 years with Miami. And this is what I do. Right. You know, and, and you know, here's the thing. It's the same job, but every game is different. You know, I always say off we go on another NBA adventure. Really That's is. what it is. And all the preparation we do either as a play-by-play -play man or a color analyst or a producer, preparation is a building block, but it's secondary to the game you are calling. I always say, you know, I have a lot of bosses. There's a lot of people, you know, above you, right? My number one boss is the game I am calling because 
that the game tells you what to talk about, not your pregame preparation. So it's how I judge myself is how did I tell the story that night? How did I tell the other team's story? How did I react to the spontaneous? And that's nothing mm -hmm. that you can plan for. But through years of doing this, you hopefully keep getting better at it. And I love it. I love being around the game. I love being around the players and the coaches and the officials that make up our game. Um, I love talking with my peers in, in the media, many of whom I've known for 30 or 40 years. And it's just a great way to stay connected to the game. I, I think anybody that knew me in my past, Jeremy, are not shocked that I am where I am. And this, trust me, this fits my personality. Uh, I, I've always sort of worked for a team. And to be fortunate enough, fortunate enough and you've got to be very fortunate mm -hmm. and i and a lot of times through my life i have made my own good fortune but you need some luck along the way too and to get a job in the nba takes a miracle there's only 30 teams mm -hmm. but to have that job be with an expansion team who would have ever thought that you'd be there in year one and still be there 34 years later so there's so there's so many stories. Every player's story has has occupied my imagination. Like even today, I, I had a great talk with Marcus Garrett, who's who's a, yeah. a non-drafted player who's on a two-way contract. And I got to say some things to him that I wanted to say. I've I've gotten some great conversations this year with Gabe Vincent, who's who's trying to like get a foothold. Absolutely. I love their stories. Today I talk with Corey Silva, who who Chris Silva, who was with the Heat a few years ago. Now he's with Minnesota's G League team. So I was thinking about him. We play Minnesota tomorrow. So and I even have interactions with many of the former guys at Providence that played there, and 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 some of some of the Cornell basketball players I interacted with, you know, like 40 years ago, 45. So it's it's a lifetime journey in in basketball, and I, again, I feel so fortunate and so blessed to still be on that journey. I mean, gosh, oh, these stories could, I mean, legitimately were halfway through this. I've got tears brought to my eye because these are these are the the opportunities that when you say I'm sitting across and I'm looking at the play by play and color guys while I'm a sophomore in school and just going up and asking the question, hey, how can I get involved? sets you on this path. And I think that's a really wonderful example for anybody young listening to this who wants to get into this business and into this industry. That is example numero uno right there of just ask people questions, ask for opportunities, be around the game because ultimately it's going to help you stay around the game if you're around it from a young age. And even relating to all of the conversations about having, you know, a dad who loves sports and, and handing that off to you and gosh, I mean, you know, and this is going to be, you know, uh, interesting to say, but Honestly, your voice is a part of many of my favorite memories from my childhood because I can hear what you're saying during all of these big moments and all of these big games and all of these Dwayne Wade buzzer beaters and, and all of those moments because that's what, you know, we can share with, with family, with friends, and, and sports are so special in that way. I have like a million other questions that I want to ask you, but I don't want to keep you forever. So what I'm going to ask you is, can, can I get a part two with you either in a month or in, you know, at the start of, of 2022, where we can sort of delve into some of the past stuff? Because I want to ask you about your relationship with Dwayne Wade, who you just saw recently, other things from the big three era, nicknames, all this stuff. But I also don't want to keep you up until game time. So could we get could we get a part two? Could we could we pencil in a part two sometime soon? Anytime, anytime, awesome. Jeremy. 
Anytime. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much. Obviously, the Heat and Timberwolves, if you're listening to this, Heat and Timberwolves play tonight. You can tune into the Heat Live pregame show at 7.30. Then enjoy your Thanksgiving, and it's Heat at Bulls for that Super Bowl game that we're talking about on Saturday night. That'll be on Bally Sports Sun as well. And then, hey, tune in Monday for the rematch with the Nuggets. Eric, thank you so, 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 so much for taking the time to have this conversation. I had a blast, and I know Heat Nation did as well. Jeremy, thank you so much. And to you and all your viewers and everybody out there in Heat Nation, a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you're around a table with a lot of family. We're going to be away from our family this year, but uh, feel very fortunate to be with the Miami Heat family in Chicago, and we will make the most of it. And we'll speak to you again down the road. Yes. Thank you, everyone who is listening. I'm very, very thankful for you, particularly given the launch of all of this recently. So thank you, everyone. Enjoy your Thanksgiving with family and friends, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places. (laughs) 